0: they have done a work at the retreat but he'll continue to work in their lives as they come back down here and just that God'll be working in them in a special way so hold them up in prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's great to be here. I uh, uh, this week I noticed on my schedule that I was scheduled to speak for a men's retreat and I hadn't heard anything from these people in months and so I was thinking on Thursday, I thought, well, hopefully they just canceled the retreat and forgot to tell me. So I called them up, and they go, no, you're on the poster and everything. And I go, oh, okay. And they said, yeah, and you're supposed to bring your own towel and blankets and stuff. I'm just going, oh, great. You know, that's <laughs> all I need. I've, I've, I'm just starting to feel like my cold is gone and my neck's starting to really feel better. And in another week, I'm leaving on a missions trip to Thailand and Cambodia. And I just, the last thing I need is to stay in some primitive accommodations. And so I, I was really, and plus I was just tired. I'm thinking, I'm old, you know? And, <laughs> And I'm speaking seven times this weekend, and, and so I'm justifying, I'm thinking, well, where this retreat is, it's over kind of near Yukaipa. And so I thought, you know, I'll, I hate when people do this, but I'll find a hotel right near there, and after they put me to bed on my cot, I'll sneak out and go stay in a hotel, and I just thought it might be what I need to do to survive, but when I got there, oh, I looked on the internet and couldn't really find any hotels in Yucaipa. That, but there was one that sounded really charming. It was called Yukaipa Valley Inn. And I thought, you know, that'd be nice. Because, I mean, I have to work, study and speak all these times. And, and so, and when I drove out, I went by Yukaipa Yuca- Valley Inn. I was glad I didn't make reservations ahead of time. <laughs> it was like, it looked awful. It was just like, it was like those places you see along Route 66 in the middle of nowhere, just a few little, made that My Name is Earl Hotel look like the Hilton, you know. And and, uh, so I'm like, oh, great. So I go to the camp, and they took me to my room. It was a trailer, you know. It's like, oh, it's it's always a good sign when your room has a license plate on it. And I I go in there, and the floor was like at a 20-degree angle to the horizon, and so, I'm sitting there trying to not to fall out of my chair and going, God, how did I get into this? I'm never going to speak anywhere again. And then the heater came on. It sounded like a 747 <laughs> taking off. And I'm just just so frustrated going, here I am. I'm, You know, I'm, I just, I'm just getting well and I'm at Camp Trailer Trash and, you know, it's like, and how am I going to do church on Sunday morning and everything? And, and then the Lord just spoke to me, and he goes, oh, what's, what are you speaking on? And I thought, oh, yeah, the theme of the retreat was attitude. <laughs> and I was going to be sharing from Philippians 4 about how to be content wherever you are. <laughs> so the Lord and I had a really good laugh. But it did make me appreciate home. <laughs> And really, it, I did have a great time, and I feel great, and, and God just really blessed through it. But it's funny sometimes how God has to take you through things just in order to show you who you are and where you are and where you need to be. So it was, uh, it was a weekend that was survived, but I'm really glad to be here. Now, this will make six messages in two days, and the seventh will be after this, and then I'm home to watch the Te-Vode football games. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've started this discussion on the spiritual gifts, and Paul is talking about and addressing the fact that each one of us has spiritual gifts that God has given us. He gives them to us. They are special abilities, special capacities to be useful within the body, gifts, ministries, and activities we looked at last week. What this really is is at its essence, is that every one of us, each of us is different, is unique. That's really a, a comforting thing because deep down inside, everyone feels like they're different. It's something last this last week we were ministering to a kid who has gone through some difficulties, a junior high kid. And and uh, Jerry Hill was talking to the little boy, and he was saying, you know, I know that you feel when you're at school like you're different, and you don't fit in. He said, one of the great secrets of junior high is everyone feels that way. They don't say it, they don't talk about it, but we all feel weird. Well, as you grow up, you learn it's not just a perception. We all are weird We all are unique, we're different, we're peculiar people, as Paul said to Titus. But that is ultimately by design. Now, when I find people who are similar to me in some areas, we really click. Because I like me, so I like people who are like me. But when I have to deal with someone who's different than I am, it's like there's something wrong with that person. They don't understand the way I do things. They judge me. I judge them. It's frustrating, and we bang heads so often. But the reality is, the truth is, there's something unique about each of us. There's also something wrong with each of us. And we need people who are different than we are to help us to become well-rounded people. We're all like a wheel with a flat edge thumping down the road. And God uses all of us collectively to round off those edges to where together we can actually be normal. No one is normal alone. We all only learn to be normal as we are together, as we function as a body. And that's kind of what Paul addresses here. It involves a lot of concepts. It, it means that we all matter, we're all important, and so every one of us needs to find out what our place is within the body. But it also means that we need to accept people who are different than we are, to allow them to interact with us, allow us to reach out to them as well. So, vitally important things for us to comprehend as we go through this passage. Let's begin reading with verse 7 where we left off last week, he said, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's what I was just saying. Each one of us has certain capacities, certain callings, certain abilities, but it's there not for each of us. It's there for all of us collectively. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. So Paul begins to list some of the gifts. Now, the list isn't exclusive. In fact, if you skip down in the chapter, he has another list beginning with verse 28. And he says, "'God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, "'after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, "'helps, administrations, varieties of tongues.'" Over in Romans 12, there's another list. Ephesians 4 has a little different list. 1 Peter 4, a list that's a bit different. But all of these gifts, and I don't think we have in the Bible an exclusive list of gifts. He's just giving examples of some of the peculiar capacities and abilities that have been given to each of us. Things that make us unique, things that make us useful, and in fact necessary. And so, We'll, we're not going to spend a ton of time evaluating each gift. There are a lot of people, when they go through the gifts, they'll spend a week on the gift of the Word of Wisdom and what that is all about and so on. I'm not going to do that because the Bible doesn't really define the gifts. It gives us clues in different places, and we will go through them and discuss them so that we can come to a, you know, somewhat of an understanding, but we'll probably disagree on some of them. And you'll probably realize as you go through, there are certain gifts that certainly are gifts to the body that fulfill this purpose, but they aren't on the list. They didn't make the list for one reason or another. But I think it's helpful for us to go through the list of the gifts in the Bible, because as we look through this list, you and I might discover, ooh, that sounds like me. I might have that gift. That's something I haven't been using but maybe I should. Maybe I ought to give it a shot. Maybe I ought to try. But it'll also help you to understand people who are different than you are. Because there are some things that might drive you nuts about certain people that in reality, it's their gifts. Maybe they aren't using the gift the way they're supposed to. And we'll talk a little bit on each of these gifts about what they look like when you're not using them. Because that'll help you to to discern maybe sometimes what your gifts are too, but also to see and recognize strengths in others. But let's just go through the list kind of quickly as a survey to get some ideas about, hmm, I wonder what my gifts are. I wonder what it is that I am uniquely created to do within the body. So first of all, this word of wisdom, the word of knowledge Now, we know what wisdom and knowledge are. Knowledge is basically information, data. Wisdom is the application of that information. So someone who knows something, that would be considered knowledge. That's why the word's called knowledge. But someone who knows how to apply that or to make wise decisions with the information that they have, that's wisdom. So what is a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge? I believe, and I think most people, most Bible scholars would agree that the gift of the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge is that ability to say something that will hit someone as being, wow, that's really from God in individual communications. to Now, sometimes God may reveal something supernaturally to you in a way that's stunning, and you know something about someone that you couldn't have possibly learned it any other way. And I've had that happen. But I've also seen a lot of people who thought that happened and it didn't. I'm always having people coming up and going, I have a word from God for you. Most of the time, I just didn't think it was from God at all. After I heard it, I'm like, come on, that wasn't from God, that was from you. And that's just downright goofy anyway. I'm really careful and I'm cautious. I'm usually not going to come and say, Thus saith the Lord, unless it's something that's from his word, because then I know he said it. Because the Bible warns against that. God, in several places in the prophets, says, You have said, Thus saith the Lord, but I have not spoken. Therefore, I am against you. I don't want God to be against me. But at the same time, I've had this experience many times. I'm sure you haven't. Sometimes it's from certain people where they say something to you, and it's not much, but what they say is exactly what you needed to hear. And they didn't really know what you were going through, maybe necessarily, or maybe they listened to you going on and on about your situation. And then they just say one thing, and it just nails it. Sometimes you may flip on your radio, and some Bible teaching comes on, and you weren't even listening to the study. But there's one thing that they said, and you go, wow, that is it. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Other times when you're in church and someone's teaching and they say something that it just seems like they were spying on you this week. Or, you know, your spouse called ahead of time and said what you were going through and primed the pastor to say what they said because it was just like God spoke to you precisely. There have been sometimes when I've heard someone say something totally out of context. As I was praying, I'd be in a public place. There are times when I've been just out in public and I'm seeking the Lord for something and all of a sudden I hear someone say something really loud and it jumps out at me and it's like, that's exactly what God wanted to say to me. There are certain gifted people who what they say just seems to sometimes come right from God. Now, again, there are a whole lot of people who think they have this gift. And usually when people think they have this gift, they talk a lot They're always telling you stuff. They're always speaking in little platitudes and everything. If they don't have the gift, you forget what they say right away. If someone has this gift, they almost become quotable. I think of men like A.W. Tozer who, when I read what he says, right now I could mention so many quotes of his that he just said it and it was like, wow, God said it and it so profoundly affected me with what he said. There are some people who, there are some songwriters that they say something in such a way that it's like, wow, that is, that's really something. That just really hit me. And God uses this gift. Now, again, if you think you have it, that doesn't mean you have it. It's, it's judged by the person who's receiving it to find out whether or not really God is speaking through what you are saying. So, but, but at the same time, knowing that this is one possible gift, it's so important for us to speak up. When we feel like God is telling us something, it's important to have something to say. Now, the gift of the word of wisdom and word of knowledge, one of the ways, I think, to recognize it in someone, if you have that gift but you don't utilize it, typically you'll just be a person who doesn't say much. Because a person who has... You know, a person who talks all the time, they just throw a lot of words out there. I mean, I talk and talk and talk and talk, and of course, every once in a while, a broken clock is right twice a day. I'll come up with something that you go, oh, yeah, that's good, you know. But most of the time in my life, the people who have this gift are people who don't say that much. They're just kind of quiet. They're observing. They're watching. And then, after everybody else is through talking... They'll just say something simple, and you go, that nails it. That's it. That's the deal. So if you're the type of person, for instance, who you're, you know, people are always telling you, why don't you say something? Why don't you talk more? You're too quiet. And people are always nagging you that you're just too, you know, retiring and too, you know, turned inward and things like that, maybe you have this gift and you just haven't found out that if you say something once in a while, it may be exactly what people need. If you will speak up once in a while. So don't, you know, don't turn from being someone who's shy and reserved and retiring and you never say anything and then go, just start just speaking all over the place. But be open. If you're a person who doesn't say much, to me, that is a clue that God may want to say some things through you that people will really notice and, and receive as being from the Lord. And so consider, maybe once in a while, you really will, will nail it. Maybe once in a while, you'll have something to say that will make all the difference in the world to someone. And so, again, it's a gift that we need How many of us go through life going, man, I'd love to hear something from the Lord right now? Well, if you're that person who doesn't say much, maybe what God does give you to say will turn out to be that kind of thing. Maybe not. Maybe you'll finally speak up and people just go, what? Okay, that's not my gift. Must have a (laughs) gift of listening. (laughs) But some of the best things that I've heard certain people say We're from people who don't have much to say. But when they say it, it speaks to you. God speaks through them. And so, you know, that's one gift that he talks about here. Now, next, he mentions the gift of faith. We're all supposed to have faith. Faith is always a gift from God, even the faith that brings us to salvation. But faith is believing what's not easy to believe, believing something that you can't see though we are all commanded to have faith, and without faith you can't please God, there are certain people who have faith to believe things that other people don't have the faith to believe. Just fantastic things. Now, uh, my wife, Anne, a lot of times shows a gift of faith. I'll give you the classic example. of it. It was one time when, you know, many years ago when William was two years old, and Danny was just about to be born, and we were losing our house, and we had, couldn't find a place to stay, and I didn't have first and last month's rent, and we were like, what are we going to do? I was frazzled, so I do what I do. I'm going through the paper, looking desperately, and, and Ann goes, Dave, I think we ought to pray. Well, I, I had prayed about it before, but she goes, we need to pray, and I'm like, okay, go you pray. I wasn't in any mood to pray. I was frustrated. I needed to spend my time finding a house to live in. And so Ann started to pray. She goes, Lord, I just pray that you will find the perfect house for us and that it'll be free. I go, Anne, I, I interrupt her, I go, just <laughs> shut up. Pray to yourself. That's stupid. Don't pray. What we need is a house for like under a thousand dollars a month. I need a house for free. That's ridiculous. She goes, Well, I'm gonna pray that. I go, Oh, brother. Well, I hate when this happens, but <laughs> within a couple of days, the Lord out of the blue brought somebody along who goes, hey, we have this house that's for sale. Nobody's living in it. You want to stay there? And I'm like, well, it was a nice house. It was in Nellie Gale Ranch. And I'm like, well, how much? Oh, no, you don't have to pay anything. I'm like, what? And out of that, we ended up, we lived for a year and a half rent free. And... <laughs> It wasn't on my faith, believe me. <laughs> my discernment showed that she was nuts. Her faith got us a house free for a year and a half. And see, that's an example. And so if you have a gift of faith, it's, I'm not afraid to believe. I'm not afraid to, to go for something crazy. I will, I'm open. I believe that God is the kind of God who does these kinds of things, and I'll believe something that most other people won't. And it's not something that I would encourage you to do. It's something that God will just give you. So, if all of you go out today and, okay, God, I want a house that's free. I don't know. You know, if God has given you that faith, then maybe that will happen for you. But if he has given you the gift of faith, you'll just be able to believe things that other people won't believe in all kinds of areas. Now, how does this gift look if you don't use it? Um, if you're the type of person who just has a wild imagination, if you're the type of person who and a, another another possibility when it comes to a gift of faith where you're all over the place, some people who are diagnosed as attention deficit disorder are really people who have a gift of faith because Their mind is so broad. The possibilities are so endless that they're always buzzing around and things like that. And it just might be that the focus of faith is what's missing there to realize God made me this way. Now, it can be irritating when you have a child who has the gift of faith because they're always, their heads in the clouds, they're always thinking, Extreme things, ridiculous things. They're always wanting to do crazy things. They're, they're scary kids. They live their lives head first. They're just always up for anything. They, they sometimes are easily not only dragged into trouble, but they're the leader that's getting everyone else into trouble. And so often we look at the faith of a child and we think, we better tailor that out of them. We need to squeeze that out of them when it might be exactly their gift from God, that when He gets a hold of it, when His Spirit works in it, what a gift faith is. How glad it is that there are some people who believe that things can happen when I don't. I'm so glad that there are people who have bigger dreams than my dreams. And so, feel like it's okay to dream big dreams, to think big thoughts. Now, Don't be discouraged if everyone else doesn't buy into it. Again, people who have the gift of faith usually look like they're nuts to other people. But if that's a gift that God has given you, you need to just continue to plod forward and go, I believe that this can happen. I think it's going to happen. Now, you go, yeah, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Then what? It's the same thing with all the gifts. Sometimes I use a gift of teaching and it doesn't go very well. And people don't get anything out of it. All the gifts are that way. You exercise them. You reach out and you utilize them. As you grow, God begins to help you and refine you. But don't be afraid to use a gift even if you think it's risky. That's okay. This is who God made you. If you have a gift of faith, you keep believing. You keep believing what you're believing. Even if other people tell you, oh, you're, getting, you're starting to sound like one of those word of faith people. You're starting to sound like Kenneth Copeland or Kenneth Hagin or whatever. Don't worry about that. You do what God is telling you to do. You keep believing. Don't let somebody talk you out of believing God for big things. God's big enough that he's not going to do something just because you imagined it. It doesn't happen because you said it. It doesn't happen because you believe it. But when you're open to what God's going to do, sometimes he's going to surprise you by actually doing it. And again, it's a blessing to the body of Christ to have people who do it. But if you have a gift of faith, don't be you know, mad at everyone who doesn't have the gift of faith. I really don't see myself having a great gift of faith. So when you come up with your great faith idea, don't be bugged if I give you 20 reasons why I don't think it'll work. We'll work through that, okay? We all have different gifts. I need to learn to listen to your crazy ideas and you need to deal with it if I think they're crazy ideas. But we all get together, and God does great things. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. It's the same God who wants to reach out and to touch people and to heal them. Now, this is an interesting gift because it's given in a plural form. I'm not sure that there are necessarily people who, okay, you are a healer. There, I know there are people out there who claim to have the gift of healing, but what God gives is gifts of healing. However, he always uses his gifts through people. I don't, you know, most of the guys who are out there claiming to be healers are just phonies. They're shysters. They're just doing it for the money. But at the same time, God wants to heal people. He, he does that today as he always has. And I praise God for it, but when he gives a gift of healing, it's... I believe in a particular situation, in a particular way, and he'll use certain people to do it. Now, if it was just about a guy with the gift, when, when, you know, Timothy got sick, Paul would have said, come to me, I got a gift of healing. But he didn't say it. He said, Paul had, God had used him to heal lots of people, but when it came to Timothy being sick, he goes, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Now, in the book of James, it doesn't say, if you're sick, find the guy in the church that has the gift of healing. It says, call the elders, anoint with oil, the prayer of faith will heal. And so gifts of healing seem to be things that God gives at different times, probably through different people and in different ways. Now, God doesn't always want to heal everyone. There is no guarantee of physical healing in the atonement. If there was, what a bummer that would be. You'd never die, but you'd just keep getting older and more decrepit, but you'd just stay healthy enough to still be in, in a condition of life. When my body wears out, I want to go. I don't want anybody you know, healing me so that I can lay there in bed and say, oh, I'll get another year to, to be a vegetable, but at the same time, God knows whether he's done with me or not, and I want him to heal me every time until it's my time to go. But there are some conditions that God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to use your weakness to perfect my strength, as he did to Paul in 2 Corinthians. But gifts of healing are things that God wants to do, and and we should believe that. And there are some people who have these gifts, who have this kind of compassion for those who are sick who have, in a way, it goes with faith. They believe that God wants to do it. And, and they're diligent enough to go and pray for people who are sick. And we need people who do that. Well, that looks like many things within the body. There are some people who I know, when I'm sick, they're going to pray for me. And, and it's such a blessing to have people like that who do that. Some people who will just come and put their hands on you and lift you up before the Lord and pray for you. You know, there are guys, uh, I think of Dean Waters, who just, he, he's so compassionate toward people who have a, a need, and he's had lots of physical trials himself, as does his wife Shirley, and yet, Dean, you know, if I am not feeling good, I want him praying for me. I, and, and I know he wants to. You know, and, and so it's like there are some people that that is a part of their gift, is just reaching out to those who are sick. Now, What if you have that gift, but you're not using it? What does that look like? Well, for one thing, you'd probably be the type of person who's interested in physical things. You're probably the type of person who, and many people who have gifts of healing, I believe, are actually in the so-called healing professions. They become nurses or doctors or paramedics or whatever because they're drawn to that physical state and those physical conditions. But often here they are doing what they can do in the flesh and not realizing, you know, God also wants to give you a special gift of healing. So maybe you're a person who likes to turn on the TV and watch surgery taking place. To me, watching a surgery on TV is the most boring thing I could imagine. But there are some people who just love it. They're drawn to it. Maybe because God's going to use them in some way to heal others. There are some people like Helene who has this, and she's not only a nurse, but she's like, she reads every medical journal. She knows everything that's going. It's like, hey, that's who I want praying for me because they have an appreciation for what it is to be sick. And I believe that often those are the people that God will use to reach out and to to be an instrument of God to heal you. Are people who are interested in those things, who care about those things? But what if you don't realize your gift? Then you'll be really depressed because all you do is you see all these sick people. You hear this person has cancer and this person needs this surgery and this person had this injury and this, and you're like, oh, it's all so overwhelming. And it just becomes depressing. But when you realize, you know, Maybe you care about this stuff because God wants to use you as a force for healing, and God releases that in your life, Man, He can use you in a special way, and we desperately need people who just have that. I think there are some people who, because of their own physical ailments, are the type of people who now have an appreciation, and God wants to use them to heal others, and so this is, again, a, a gift that we need to be open to and a need that, hey, you need to see maybe God wants you. When was the last time you went to someone who was sick and, and said, can I pray for you? And just laid hands on them and lifted them up to the Lord. If you won't at least do that, you'll never know if God wants to give you one of these gifts of healing or not. Miracles. God does things outside the natural. And, of course, In the early church, there were some awesome examples of it. In the Old Testament, there are great examples of it. But, you know, there are miracles happening all around us, things that God does that just defy the imagination, things that God does that are just so exceptional and so unique. But again, all of these things are for the body. So if God does a miracle, it's not so that you can write a book and draw attention to yourself or go on TV and brag about it. I think some of the greatest miracles that happen in our midst nobody really says much about it. It's just God does an amazing thing. He does an amazing work, and that's important for us too. Now, what is it that would indicate someone who maybe has a potential gift of miracles, but they're not using it? I suppose in some ways, maybe if you're the type of person who's just always looking at what's wrong, and you're always just seeing everything that's wrong in everything, And often that can turn into a depression that's even clinical where you just are so overwhelmed by what needs to happen, by what hasn't happened. Well, maybe it's because God wants to use you in a way that will do radical things, where great things will happen. Are you open to the possibility that maybe God wants to do a miracle through you in some way? Are you willing to try something that looks impossible Are you willing to take a chance on something? And that's, again, the gift of miracles. He goes on to say, um, okay, the next one is um, the gift of prophecy. Speaking forth the word of God. Speaking, as he says in chapter 14, to edification and exhortation and comfort. Being someone who speaks, it's a little different than the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, which is, apparently more personal and local to a situation. Prophecy is a general sharing of the Word of God, the capacity to be able to communicate God's Word to people so that they just go, wow, I feel like God just spoke to me in a, in a great and an informative way. Again, how we need that within the body. But again, a whole lot of people think they have the gift that don't. They think they're speaking for God all the time when they don't. They want to do that, and it doesn't happen. But the gift of prophecy, God will, when you share, people will respond. When you, if you teach the Word of God, and this is similar to the gift of teaching, you can judge it based on when you try it, does it actually work? Or when you go to speak encouragement to someone, Does it all go wrong and they end up being mad at you and feeling worse? Now, again, you're never perfect. You always grow and you always learn. But the gift of prophecy, and you should be open. And it's not just about being up in front of a church and doing it. It's sharing with people personally, counseling with people in different situations, just communicating with them. Gift of prophecy, what does it look like when you don't use it? you probably just keep rambling about everything else. You're always talking, talking, talking about nothing. You can, you can recall and remember and relate the, the whole storyline of every movie you've ever seen. You can, you know, when, you know, you can tell people, oh, yeah, my favorite was the third season of Survivor. Or, I remember on the fourth week, this happened with this person. It's like you're cha- channeling all this information that's worthless, well, maybe what God wants to do is to get you into his word and then to take what he has said and to deliver it to people in a way that's useful. He goes on and talks about the discerning of spirits. that That's the ability probably just to, to sense when something or someone isn't right. It's that, it's that almost a sixth sense kind of a deal that when you, you meet somebody and if they're a phony, you can just tell. You can get a good read on people easily. Some people are really gifted at this. Some people are terrible at it. A lot of people are somewhere in between. Pastor Romaine, who used to be an assistant pastor at Calvary Costa Mesa, was just, he could nail anyone. He knew, there'd be somebody who would come to the church, and I would think, yeah, they're a great person. And Romaine would just be writing them, and I'd think, why are you totally misjudging this person? But more times than not, I mean, At least 90% of the time, he turned out to be right. And somebody would seem totally normal, and Romaine would be on him a little bit, and all of a sudden, they would turn into a complete lunatic. And I'd go, how'd you know that? But he just had that ability. Now, most people who I know who say they have the gift of discernment don't. Most of them don't. A lot of people think they're discerning. But the capacity to really make those evaluations, and then especially the ability to figure out how to apply it, that you don't go, I better tell everybody this guy's a wolf. That's not how you use the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is maybe just to see a situation or a person and then to hold them up in prayer and to ask God to reveal the truth. Or it might be strategically mentioning to one person who's in a position of responsibility, you know, you might want to just keep an eye on that situation. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing in the spirit that there's something here that's not quite right. Now, gifted discernment, if you have it and you don't use it, you'll tend to be down on everyone. You'll tend to just be so frustrated. And usually, a person with the gift of discernment will, if they're not using that gift, they'll become a loner. They'll just like, I don't want anybody around me. Because you start to see things and you start to sense things, and it's just like, I don't have anything, an outlet for it, so just you keep your distance, you, 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 you just, I can't deal with people. Often it's just a question of, you know what, why don't you start looking at this as something that God gave you, a way that he may want to use you in some way, gift of discerning of spirits and then different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm not going to go into a great discussion on the gift of tongues because when we get to chapter 14, Paul deals with it a lot more. But and and again, if it freaks you out, I mean people hear tongues like, "Oh no," you know, it is a gift of the spirit. It's not something to be afraid of at all. It's not something to argue over either. In the Bible, you saw basically several different uses of the gift of tongues. First of all, it was a gift to communicate the gospel in a language that you hadn't heard. You saw that in Acts chapter 2, where all these people were hearing the preaching, hearing the gospel in their own language. Now, some people have said that the miracle was actually a gift of hearing that kind of like when you go to the United Nations, you put those headphones on and they're translating everyone into your language. I I don't know whether they were actually speaking a language or whether the, the people were able to hear it, but that was one usage to break down a language barrier. And then it seems that... From looking at indications in Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's also a use of tongues that's to be used in your own personal praise to God and communication to Him when you're wanting to pray but you don't know what to say and God will take over with groanings that are too deep for words and that's another usage of the gift of tongues that I think is probably the predominant use that Paul used. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all, but he said, in the church, I'd rather not do that because it just freaks people out. I'd rather speak with my mind so people can hear and understand it. And so, those are a couple uses. Now, because it talks about different kinds of tongues... I'd suggest that it might be that there are other ways that God uses this gift in a way that you haven't thought of. Like today, you don't really need someone to supernaturally get the ability to speak Spanish, but there are people who God has really gifted in being able to learn Spanish. There are books out there, but some people learn it well, some people don't. Or other languages to be able to to do that may be a use of this gift it may be one of the types of uses for it there was a missionary Jonathan Goforth he was a Canadian guy who went to Canada back in the late 1800s brilliant guy but he just couldn't learn Chinese very well and he was struggling he was passionate for the Chinese people and wanted so much for them to be saved but he was just struggling with the language but all of a sudden, one night when he was about to give up and just hang it up and quit, they said that he got up to speak and the Chinese just came out fluently. He had learned the language, but he couldn't speak it fluidly. And all of a sudden, now it just flowed. And it was amazing. And for the rest of his life, until he died in 1930-something, I think, he was able to minister speaking Chinese fluently in a way that he never could have before. The Lord used him to bring over 13,000 Chinese people to the Lord. Then when he got back to Canada, he found out that the very night he was speaking, the youth group at his church got together to pray for him, specifically because he had written back and said, I'm so frustrated with Chinese, I don't know if I can do this. So they got together, and right at that moment, they were praying that he would have a breakthrough in the use of the Chinese language and he was convinced that it was that prayer meeting that God used in order to give him this capacity. And I would certainly look at that and go, wow, that's miraculous. That's the Spirit. That's definitely very close to how the gift was originally seen as being used in Acts chapter 2. Now, if we look down further in the chapter with this other list of gifts, we have apostles. Those are people who were sent out to found the church. It was used in a technical sense of those who witnessed Jesus' resurrection and were used foundationally to start the church, but it also could be now used in a more general sense of missionaries who are sent forth to start new ministries and new churches and new movements, prophets we already talked about, teachers a little different than, than gifts of prophecy, but those who are able to take complicated concepts and bring them across to people in a way that they can understand and appreciate, you know the difference between gifted teachers and those who aren't gifted. Maybe you are someone who's called as a teacher. If God has called you as a teacher, you need to be open to that. If you have a gift of teaching and, and you're not utilizing it, one sign of that, I think, is you have a hard time listening to other people teach. You're constantly picking apart what they're saying, how they're saying it, not just when they're like really bad, but even when they're decent. You're like, you could have said this better, and boy, this illustration would have fit in better. Well, maybe you're supposed to try it. You'll find out right away if you have the gift or not. Just start teaching. If people leave, I don't have it. <laughs> Miracles and gifts of healing, we talked about the gift of helps. That's a, the gift of just coming alongside and fitting in where necessary and you enjoy and, and are, are more than happy to help in any way that you can possibly help. There are people, the people who set up the chairs you're sitting in, those who greeted you on the way in, those who prepare the refreshments, and we need this gift so many ways. If you're not helping, you tend to be critical of everyone else who is. You tend to look around and go, you know, they should have been a lot nicer when I walked in the door. Now, I've never heard anyone say that at our church because our greeters are awesome. But, you know, you're looking around and you're going, you know, there's a couple of bulbs that are burned out. I need to call the church and tell them. Well, how about bringing a ladder down here and going and changing the light bulbs? You know, maybe, maybe it's a, your gift. That's why you notice this kind of stuff. And he, he goes on in, in this list of, of gifts and talks about administrations. Those who are able to motivate and, and lead others, organize and structure things, be involved in leadership in some way, hey, that's a gift. You can tell when somebody doesn't have the gift and they're trying to do it. And if you're the one who's frustrated with the way that they do it and they're so scatterbrained and unorganized, maybe that's a gift that you need to start to use more yourself, Maybe you need to see what it is. If they won't let you do it in that ministry, maybe you're supposed to start a ministry and get people involved and motivate them. It's very obvious when people try it and don't have the gift. When people have the gift and don't use it, that's obvious too because everything's all over the place and unorganized and everything. And again, tongues we already talked about. A couple more gifts I just want to mention. We're out of time, but... But uh, over in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the gift of exhortation. That's the gift of calling, coming alongside someone and just encouraging them, letting them know they can do it, prodding them on. It also talks about the gift of showing mercy. That's a, that's a gift whereby you just care about others, and you come and you'll just sit and, wo- and weep with them, or you'll just feel with them and you care about them. It's Myrene here has that gift and and just outstanding. She does our food ministry and a lot of other personal ministry with people too, where when someone's going through something really difficult, she really cares, but she cares enough to do something about it. Now, the gift of showing mercy when you have it, but you don't use it, here's how you'll know. People are always telling you, don't be so sensitive. Quit being such a wimp. What are you always so down for about everything? Because If you bottle up the gift of mercy, it just becomes an inward feeling sorry for yourself, a self-indulgent sort of thing. Once you break that loose and channel that and you realize, I feel deeply because God wants me to reach others and to help them and to minister to them to show that mercy, it's amazing. All of a sudden, when you're utilizing that gift, you're not being such a wimp yourself. You're not quite so weepy yourself. You'll be there, but you'll be in practical ways. You'll help people. You really care, but you can maintain a balance. If you're just overly sensitive, you might have the gift of showing mercy, but you're just not using it, and you need to. Another gift that he talks about in Romans is the gift of giving. That's something that, and it's not just about, there have been many people throughout history who have the gift of giving who have a whole lot. And I believe, well, Paul says it over in Second Corinthians chapter 9, God has given you a lot so that you can give. So one way to know you have the gift of giving is if you have more than you need. There's a reason why God has given it to you, and it's not so that you can have 10 years you know, income in a savings account. It's not so that you can continue to have more and more assets. It's not so that you can give your kids so much that their life will be ruined before they start. God has given you a lot so that you can channel it into areas. And if you have a gift of giving, you see needs that are practical, and you go, I'm going to do something about that, and I want to do it. Now, the gift of giving isn't always just with people who have a lot. The widow who gave her two mites, who gave all that she had, was the greatest example given in the Bible of someone with a gift of giving. It's just that ability, and we're all commanded to give, In fact, we're all foolish if we don't give because the Bible says if we give, God will give us more. So for most of us, for many of us, giving is simply wise investing. But beyond that, there are people who just look at a situation and go, what an exciting opportunity for me to surprise someone or to help someone or to do something special and out of the ordinary. It's a gift of God. How do you know if you have that gift and you're not using it? Well, You'll, you'll be paying a lot of money for burglar alarms and, and other ways and insurance and ways to make sure you don't lose anything. You start stacking up stuff that moth and rust decay and thieves break in and steal. You have, it's just the two of you now and your family, but you just moved up to another house because five bedrooms wasn't enough for you. <laughs> decided you needed a bigger one. Chances are you have a gift of giving, And God's been giving to you, and you just haven't figured out that your greatest joy in life will be when you share that with others and when you give to others. But all of these are gifts of the Spirit, and I've gone long again. I told myself I'd cut the message, and I haven't. But again, focus on this, verse 11. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You are the way you are because the Holy Spirit has gifted you. You are weird with a purpose (laughs) for a reason. You're unique and special because the body of Christ needs you, needs what you have to offer. Nothing is more frustrating than to try to do something that you aren't gifted to do, unless it's being gifted to do something and not doing that, and feeling like my life means nothing, it's going nowhere. God's plan for all of us and for our church is for each of us to discover why I am the way I am and how that's a good thing. You can even ask people who don't like you to describe you and take the list of the things that they hate about you and go, why am I that way? I wonder what good could come out of me being the way I am. And, boy, when we begin to discover that, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing what God can do. You know, I look at, my, at our church here, and there are a lot of things wrong with the ministry here, a lot of things in this church that could be done a lot better and a lot more efficiently and we, ways in which we could reach out that we aren't now. And all that means is we need to be looking for how we are to fill gaps. We're to be looking to what, where our niche is, what our gifting is, and why God put us here, and do everything that he wants us to do. It usually doesn't mean that you're going to have to give 80 hours a week to your gift. It just might be that you have a gift that take a half hour a week, and you've done what God has called you to do, and you found your reason why you're here. That's what God wants us. That's all he wants from us not to overdo it, just to find where we fit to play that role that he's called us to. And it's a a sad life when we don't do that. It's a great life when we do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit who has given to each of us this uniqueness, this unique package of gifts and talents and abilities and interests and experience so that we can all find where we fit in. God, we're sorry when we push people away and don't let them do what they're called to do. Help us to be open to people who are different than we are and ways of doing things that are different than we do them. But God, I pray that every person here in our church would begin to discover their own uniqueness and then look for ways to use that, either in our body here or in the larger body of Christ. So God, Just help us to fulfill that which you've designed. It's a great plan. We want to be a part of it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.